What's going on? Restoration Dominators, Rico Garcia here, and this is an exciting episode, as all of our episodes are really exciting because our guests just really bring the fire. But before we start talking about what this episode is all about, real quick, I just want to thank our show sponsors, starting with CNR Magazine. Make sure that you get your subscription to CNR Magazine if you haven't done so already. It's really simple. All you got to do is head on over to CNRMagazine.com on the upper right-hand corner of the screen, you're going to see a big red subscribe button. You go ahead and smash that, put in your info, and boom, just like magic, you are now going to be an insider and uh, have access to one of the industry's absolute best publications. So make sure that you head on over to CNR Magazine and get your subscription today. Also, a big shout out to our Platinum sponsors with uh, our Legal Corner and our Public Adjusting Corner. Public Adjusting Corner, uh, we're joined once a month with Carlos Machine, the Claims Machine. And uh, on the Legal Corner, we are joined by our very own Lawyer Brit, both keeping us abreast of what's going on in the public adjusting arena, as well as in the legal arena and how it affects us as restoration pros. You're not going to want to miss either one of those uh, monthly bonus episodes that are released. And this is also a great opportunity for you to uh, shoot us a call and ask the pros any questions that you might have. If you've got a legal question, uh, if you've got a contracting question, if you've got um, questions whether you know whether or not you should be bringing in a public adjuster and how they're going to benefit you or how they're not, um, this would be a great opportunity to use this free resource for you. All you got to do is just pick up the phone, shoot us a call at 67 Seven, eight talk the number two us so talk to us and just let us know who you are where you're calling from and whatever your commentary and or question is and we'll go ahead and have the pros answer that specifically for you so a little bit about today's episode uh the Gentlemen that we're joined with today, Jerry Edel has been in this game for quite a while. And what he specializes in is sales and marketing, specifically to insurance agents. Now, this is a system that he's refined uh, over the years. And what we talk a lot about in this particular episode is number one, first and foremost, the mindset that's necessary in order for you to be successful at selling and closing and getting consistent lead flow from these referral sources, how to track that momentum to make sure that you're getting the right data and that you're not just spinning your wheels or you don't have your business dev person or your marketer, whatever it is that you want to call them, uh, just randomly spinning their wheels. We get into some of the specifics on how to properly develop uh, these relationships and these referral relationships with the insurance agents and so much more. I try to go ahead and dig as deep as I possibly can with Jerry. So this way we're not having a very top level woo-woo type of conversation. And we kind of put the full court press on him to provide us with as much of the information as possible without getting into his paid consulting aspect. Point is, if you want to get more business and you know a steady flow of referrals, this is going to be an episode that you are not going, going, to, going to want to miss. So make sure that you stick around, grab a pen and a sheet of paper. There's going to be some good nuggets for you that are hidden all throughout this particular episode. So without further ado, let's jump in with Jerry Edel. Let's go. <laughs> 
Welcome to the Restoration Domination Podcast, where you learn actionable advice that moves the needle and helps service-based businesses dominate. Here's your host, Rico Garcia, Jr. All right, and we are live. What's going on, brother? Are you ready to help us dominate? Absolutely. I'm excited. This is great. Let's do it. So do do me a favor. Fill in some of the gaps on my intro. Let everybody know who you are and what it is that you do within the industry. I'm Jerry Edel. And I've uh, been in the industry half a century now, been from operations, production, running business, the whole gauntlet for 34 years. I was in the corporate program, got out last 15 years. I've been an independent consultant. And of those 15 years, I spend the majority of my time working with owners who want to get their own work, want to get more of their own, go out there and not be beholden to somebody else. They want to get it themselves organically. It's like business development, go find it, hunt it down, get it. And I help people with that. My specific area of expertise is in the space of insurance agency owners and agency brokers and their staff and getting them to refer you as opposed to all of the other options that are available to them. And that's what we do. And that's what's fun for us, me and my business partner, two of us together, just have way too much fun to get paid doing what we do. But we love helping people get their own work. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, and we were kind of talking off camera a little bit about, you know, sales and prospecting and, and what that journey typically looks like. And I kind of voiced my opinion and I'll, I'll voice it, uh, you know, live and on the air. I, I, I and this is going to push some people, uh, push some people's buttons, I'm sure, but the restoration arena, uh, water mitigation, mold remediation, anything that you're building insurance, there is this belief that there are great salespeople, but in reality, at least in my opinion, they're lacking a lot of sales pizzazz, if you will, because at the end of the day, they're not really exchanging money. What they're having someone do, the close is sign here so that I can eventually build the insurance company. The moment that you have that crutch, there is this feeling that that's what the sales process is. And there's very little selling there. There's very little persuasion there. There's, there's a lot of glorification about how great people are within our industry because they actually think that, you know, they're, they're closing big numbers. And yeah, the deals may be big, but you didn't really close anything. You got something signed and there was no skin in the game from the prospect side. Right. So really it just boils down to a matter of, you know, hey, who showed up at the right time at the right place? Who romanced who at the right time in the right place? And that's pretty much it. The other side of that is the prospecting side. Because once you don't have to go out and hunt, right, and get your own deals, right. well, now all of a sudden you you kind of start looking at prospecting a totally different way. And, and like you said, trying to get leads and get clients in an organic fashion, right? Just a little bit of, of sweat and grit and, you know, a little bit of hustle, the good old fashioned way, like all of a sudden now that changes the landscape. And I think that over time, you start to get really watered down prospecting methodologies and closing methodologies that kind of take over the industry. So expand on that for me and let me know what your thoughts are. Yeah, spot on. The, the way leads come to us now, especially when it's coming through programs, the TPAs, those kind of deals, it actually turns you into an order taker. You're not a sales professional 
doing that. You're basically just taking the order, show up, get it done, sign the customer, just everything you just said. And over time, it lulls you to sleep and you forget. So when you're doing SEO and you get a call coming from that, you're doing pay-per-click and you get a call coming from that. I mean, the whole concept of there's a sales process, you know, it's completely forgotten. It's I forget. I don't even think about it. I don't understand why I didn't get that job, you know, and it's because we've lost the art of selling. And within that, there's a piece called prospecting. And it's very important to understand prospecting is not selling. Selling includes prospecting, but when you're prospecting, you should not be selling. And for most people, sales sounds like, and this isn't true, this isn't what it should be, but this is what most people sound like when they're selling. Well, let me tell you how about me. Let me tell you about my company. Let me tell you how great we are. We're proud of our company, our, our ICRC certifications, et cetera, et cetera, all our stuff, all our people, blah, blah, blah. That's not selling. That's just vomiting out, you know, all about you. That's yeah, not it's a verbal diarrhea that all salesmen are typically plagued with at one point or it, another. Correct. It, it, it absolutely is. And, and so that's really not sales work, but that's what it, that's what people resort to. And they do that when they're prospecting, going after my favorite category, insurance agency owners, insurance agency brokers, those type of people who've got customers that need your service. Man, when you show up and you start throwing up your information and who you are and what you do and how great you are, man, that's not prospecting. And that's not selling. That's just wasting people's time. You know, and so when you're when you think about what you've got to do out there, if you're going to put somebody out there and go after organic work, you know, and go, let, let's be clear. And I think you agree with this. Not everybody is going to go out and get organic work. I mean, there are plenty of people out there. I, I've met plenty. I know plenty that they would rather take a beating in the parking lot than pick up the phone and call a stranger or walk through a door and introduce yourself. I mean, it's like, I'm not going to do it. And so, you know, having work come to me, having leads come to me, just go get it, you know, inbound stuff. No, never doing any outbound. You know, I get that. And that's okay. It's not a problem. Well, it's one of those things that Zig Ziglar said that timid salesmen have skinny kids. And, (laughs) you know, when, when you apply that to a company setting, a timid sales culture produces skinny results, right? So it's just funny how, how that is. And of course, our, our industry is one of those that were blessed enough with the way that the billing structures are, you know, how they happen to be, who, uh, you know, how uh, we end up closing those deals and, you know, just a simple signing of the contract, boom. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you have, you have some pockets to dig into, but there is something to be said about going out, prospecting, selling properly, marketing yourself properly in order to go ahead and, and add to the overall revenue in your business. And not only just your overall revenue, but just, just your freedom, right? And again, and I want to make this like really clear for anybody who's listening to the podcast or watching. And I've said this a million times. I don't have a horse in the race one way or another. We spoke about this one, you know, off, off camera. I don't care if you do TPA work. I don't care if you do, you like insurance or don't like insurance companies. Like that's not even the discussion, right? I think that it's great. Anything is great if it's a good fit for you. Anything is bad if it's not a good fit for you, right? There's 
tons of companies that have been extremely success, successful from a revenue standpoint, from a profitability standpoint on either sides of the fence. The problem lies in when you're not happy and there's nothing that you could do about it other than bitch and moan. And that usually boils down to the fact that you don't know how to go out and prospect and you don't know how to go out and, say, and close sales. Now, I know that when you hear that, it's really upset. It really upsets you, right? Because you're like, oh God, what do you mean I can't sell? What do you mean I don't know how to prospect? Of course I'm good. Well, we all want to be legends in our own mind, right? But it's, it's those long, hard looks in the mirror and you're like, man, am I really going out there and am I really being effective at my prospecting, at my marketing, at my sales? You know, have, have I been resting on my laurels? Like what's going on here, right? And I think that once people all come to the awakening that, hey, maybe I should be doing something different and getting a little bit more aggressive with how I'm presenting my organization and presenting, you know, ourselves to the local community and to people that have my prospect, right? Because somebody's got your client. You're usually one person away from whatever client it is that you want. Yeah. Question is, is are you going out and shaking their hand and meeting them and prospecting them in a way yeah. that's going to be effective for you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, off camera, you had made a, a Great, simple, clear, concise definition of marketing. Do that again. Yeah, marketing is just salesmanship in print, yeah. right? Like that's really what it's about. Yeah. yeah. Or whatever medium is that you use, right? Like this, this is an old term, you know, marketing uh, or, you know, marketing is uh, salesmanship in print, but now you can basically just insert any modality. If that's video, then great. If it's a, you know, a blog post, then great, you know, but that's basically what it is. It should be an extension of your salesmanship. Yeah. And selling takes place when I'm with that person. I'm talking them through it. I'm helping them make their decision. I'm helping them figure out, man, we're a good fit. Uh, this is the right time. I need your help. I've got the money, you know, and, and they're discovering, oh, you can help me. Okay. That's selling, right? The qualification is that person, are they a true prospect or not? Now, you, I, I I've been around a long time, so word I don't hear much anymore is there are suspects and then there are prospects. And we don't yep. really yep. use that term a lot anymore, but I've already said I'm half a century in this industry, so here you go. You know, But you think about when you're going out organically to get work, you've got to understand not everybody you talk to is a good fit. They're not really someone you want to do business with or who can do business with you, who are ready to do business with you. And if they're not a good fit, if they're not ready, if they can't afford it, what are you doing trying to sell to them? You're, you missed a step in the prospecting. They're not ready. So prospecting is a key part that is under-discussed. And, and we, we all talk about sales and we talk about marketing and, and, and well, we should, but we've got to understand part of sales is identifying the right person, right? Right. And so in, in the business space that I work with and the clients that I help with, you know, it's like, understand something. When you go into insurance agency offices, and, and this is just a fun way for me to say this, this is how I best remember 60, 40 percentage wise. When you walk into five insurance agency offices or brokers, for every five, two of them never have, they never will refer. Now, Rico, you're smart enough to know if somebody's never going to buy from you or refer you, what day do you want to find that out? 
Yeah, you want to find that out as quickly as possible. And I want to I want to go ahead and highlight something real quick because a lot of people aren't even really aware, especially like the younger generation that's coming in. They don't really understand what a prospect is. They don't understand. They don't understand what the word prospect or prospector, right? Is right. which is a very very old term. It's actually still still around, right? And right. the actual definition is a person who searches for mineral deposits, especially by drilling and excavation, and or panning for gold. Right. So basically, what that means is you are in fact, when you are prospecting, that is exactly what you're doing. You're scooping up a lot of shit. Yep. You're shaking the pan, shaking the pan, watering, like washing it out. All yeah. the stuff that's not good, that's never bought, that never will buy, that you can't sell to the marketplaces is not going to move your financial needle. One bit that's wasting your time, you're getting all of that out of the pan. And then eventually, if we all see, you know, you can Google prospecting, right? And just see how, how that process works. Eventually, you've got this, you know, gallons and gallons and just tons and tons of, of dirt and soil and all this stuff that's going through the pan. And eventually, you're left with small little flakes. Maybe if you're lucky, a big nugget of gold. That's the that's what a prospector is. So your prospect, by definition, is you going through all the no's as quickly as you possibly can to get to the yeses, to get to where that one person that you find that is your little nugget of gold. That's it. That's it. That's it. And 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 again, you know, two of them. If I know for every five I walk through, two of them are never going to do it. I as a prospector in my pant panning outfit, I got to screen them out. And of course, the, the screening language comes from the screen in the sluice box. You know, it just, that's, that's all part of the process, right? You just got to screen those people out. That means there's three out there that are referring somebody right now. Okay. So of those three, are they all going to be a good fit? And you got to stop and think, and people make this mistake of thinking, everybody's my prospect. They're all, everybody needs my service. Everybody, it's like your ego is out of control. No, everybody doesn't want you. Not everybody needs you. You know, you've got to find people that are a good fit for you, that have the values that you have, that line up with you. Because if they don't line up in values, you're not going to be a good fit long-term. And the other word that we use in this space is, Building relationships, right? In terms of, you know, we're out there trying to build relationships with people that can influence, use their influence for us, right? And and when you're talking about building relationships, you got to understand those three of them, if, if one of them doesn't line up with your sense of values, and you can define your values however you want to define it, but most of us will say, well, they've got integrity. You know, that's that's kind of important, right? You know, honest people, that kind of stuff. They are they open minded. You know, that's important to me in my business because I can't help somebody if they're not open minded. Right. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, if you know they're not, you really do you really want that business? Do you really are you going to have a long term relationship with that particular? Probably not. It's going to be like, oh, God, I got to talk to that guy again. You know, he just grinds on me. You know, so prospecting is the other word we use is hunting, but we use hunting in the context of selling, when in reality, that's a prospecting, mining, looking, searching. You use that word searching. I love that word. That's my favorite word for for prospecting because that's what I'm doing. I'm not hunting. I'm searching for that person and persons that I can help. 
they're a good fit and the time's right and they got money, you know, right? Uh, right? I mean, you're looking it, for the it, person. It, I mean, look, and, and I think that the mind is a funny thing, right? And I, I like transparency even with yourself. Like when you're, when you're doing self-talk, I think it's really important. And I think that a lot of us like sugarcoat a lot of the stuff that we talk about nowadays, because of course it's 2022 and God forbid that you're actually a little hardcore and you start talking about it. Like when I go out to hunt, I'm not looking for, to identify the people that I can go ahead and help the most. Like that's, I'm sorry, but I'm going out to hunt. I'm going out to prospect so that I can find the people that are in a position to help me that in turn, Right. By hiring me, they can go ahead and utilize my services. Right. So like, let's let and I want to get this clear just because again, and, and again, everybody's got a different ideology, but I do feel that there's a part of the community, which just really appreciates the blatant honesty and the not so woo woo stuff of what selling is. Right. Nobody goes out to sell unless you're mother Teresa, <laughs> because you're just on this hunt to, to help people. No, you're going out to help. The people that you're looking to help is your mother, your father, your cousin, your daughter, your wife, your husband. Those are the people that you're looking to help. That's why you went out to hunt in the first place. Fat kids, not skinny kids. I'm hunting for them. That, that's what I'm saying. Now, yeah. now, if you're servicing your product, which is should, as an entrepreneur, be a great product and a great service, and of course it's going to help these people. But again, you're, you're helping the people that have the financial ability and the wherewithal to go ahead and help you get to your destination, right? So just wanted to go ahead and make that little tidbit. No, no that is great. It, it, I, I get a lot of people I work with that they've, they've got, you know, how many agents do you call on, for example? Oh, I've got, you know, two, 300, you know, oh, how often do you see them? Knowing the answer is going to be every th probably four to six weeks and I see 20 to 25 a day and whatever, you know, they just make the rounds and the routes. And it's like, okay, so um, let's think about this for a minute. Uh, is that that cust does that does that agent is that agent referred? No, okay. Does that agent do they have a very big book of business? Have you thought about that? Well, no, I never. How long have they been in agency? Because it, it the most the average doesn't make it five years. They they wash out in year three four. That's when they're gone. They just don't make it. So it's like wait, you're hunting, what, what, you're searching for that one. What wait, that's not gonna. They don't have a very big book of business, even though today's agents buy another book of business and they kind of get started with this basic book of business, but it's not enough and they're growing their business and they don't have very many claims. Okay. Right. Well, if you, if you're, if you've got a small book of business, you don't have very many claims and you're, you know, prospecting to them. And then you think, Hey, they're a great fit. They got great heart. They, God, I really like this guy, this gal. I, yeah. I mean, I'm going to go after them. I, I, I make a deal with them. I get a handshake with them. We're, I'm going to help them. They're going to get me out on losses, et cetera. Wait a second. Stop. Okay. Yes. They want to refer and yes, they might be a great fit, but hold on. Are they going to feed your kids? Mm -hmm. Because if they've only got one or two losses in a year, even if you got both of them, and I'm not going to say I don't want one, I'll take any one I get, but that's from a return on investment of my time and my energy. I got to find the one that can send me 50 or 60 or more, not just right. one or two, right? Yeah. It's always better to fish for a whale than to fish for minnows. Cause at the end of the day, whether, whenever you get lucky, either you're going to have a whale or you're going to have a bucket full of minnows. It's yeah. your call as a prospector. It's your call as a salesperson, who you're yeah. going after. And that's the yeah. question that you need to ask yourself is who do you want to have as right. a client? Because it's equally as hard. 
to get a bucket full of minnows as it is to just land one whale. Choice is yours. Exactly. And one of the questions I ask people is, okay, which insurance, and I'm going someplace with this, which insurance companies do you just groan when you get a loss from them? And and there's always a company. It's never the same. It's just somebody comes up, somebody blurts out, oh, God, when this company comes, oh, I hate that. Okay. So I turn to the salesperson that I'm, I'm there to help. And I say, so we don't want to put those agents on your list. And I, and I look over and I see the owner go, I never thought of that before. Yeah. So now I turn it back to the owner. I say, now, which insurance companies, when you get a job and you've got a customer and the insurance carrier is X, which, which companies are the ones that you just go, oh, God, I love these guys. They are the best. I love working with them. And, and it'll vary. I mean, it varies from any brand you want to put out there. I mean, we, might, we might want to think some of these big, high-end stuff, but people have experiences. Usually it's local claims people that are putting pressure on and creating problems or say, okay, that's, I turn to the salesperson. Let's target those people. See, so it goes to what you're saying. You want to you want to know what you're looking for. So start with your own company and say, as a sales professional working for my company, what a great conversation to sit down with operations team and say, which carriers are like on the bottom of your list? Hope we never have to do another one. Okay, make a note. Don't go after those. Which ones do you love? I like these. Everybody else is kind of okay, safe. Yes. Okay. That's one of the criteria that a prospector has to do. He or she has to ask those kind of questions and know what they're going out and looking for. So, you know, to me, it's establishing that list of criteria because you're qualified. Criteria means I can qualify against the criteria, right? So I'm pre-qualifying them. I shouldn't be selling to them. I shouldn't be talking to people that I haven't pre-qualified saying, Oh, dude, we can really help you. We can make a great relationship. We can have a great partnership. We can. No. First, figure out. Don't do that. If you're doing that to the company that your your own company hates, why do you want more of that business? What a way to go. You know, let's go after it. So it's conversations like that and, and creating that list of people that I should be going after and I should be avoiding. Right. And I think that's a conversation that should take place between my business development person, business, you know, whatever you want to call them, but that they should be a business development salesperson, not a business development marketer. And I hear that BDM all the time, business development marketer, business, business development manager. Okay, fine. Manager's fine, but not marketer. This is a sales job. And that's a conversation that that person should be having with the, with the boss and the operations team. Before they're going out, they should be looking at that list that they've created saying, who on here don't you want? Who don't you want? Now it's my job. Once I know, okay, I'm going down this road for this this group of people. Now within it, which of those agents are big or not? Which ones can feed my my whole crew, not just my skinny kids? I don't want skinny kids, but I got a company of people here that they don't want skinny kids. So which ones can I go after? And how? what are the questions that I need to ask them so that I can figure it out? Well, there's some you can do on website. First thing we do is teach people, open up Google. Let's just start with Google, find an agent. It's pretty simple and easy. <laughs> Today, it's so simple and easy. You know, go to their website, open up about and see if you can find meet the team. If there's no team, 
they're probably a small little agent or they've been around for 40, 40 some odd years and they're, you know, they're just living on residuals and they're not growing their business. And they, you know, they may have a, a nice book of business and they might have plenty of claims, but think it through. Be That's one of the questions to ask because where their staff people, one of the lessons I learned a long while ago is the average agency. If you take uh, who's the biggest brand, who's the biggest residential insurer in America? Rico, who is that? State Farm, right? Can we say can we say their name on can we say their name online like this? Is that okay? You can edit it out if if your legal says you can't. They're the biggest out there. But if I take them, you know, and they're just I use that example just because they're in every town. They're all over the place, right? And the average, average size, average book of business. You walk in or you look on their website and you see two or three people listed as part of the team. That's the average. Well, they're going to have enough losses to make it worth your while to go after them. If you walk into one of those offices and you see eight, nine, ten people, they're probably in the top 10% of all those agents in the United States. I mean, they just don't have – no, you can walk into an independent broker who's got all kinds of different lines and service companies and different kinds of carriers that they're writing for. <clears throat> you know, they can have hundreds of people working for them. You know, you look at Brown and Brown as a national company. Oh, my gosh, they got thousands of people working for them. But the point is you want to look for the agency that's got a, a, a staff of people because a bigger staff of people is going to mean they've, they've got more clients. More clients are going to have more losses. There you go. That's part of the criteria process. And part you of this is, is about learning, too, and if you really think about it at its core, right? Maybe somebody's listening to this or watching this and saying, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of things make sense once you hear it and you kind of had the intent of going down this road of planning stuff out before you take the shotgun approach. But, you know, obviously it's business, right? So you kind of, you know, just keep rolling with the punches and you don't really take the time to put together a plan. Right. And being in the construction arena, if you know, typically before you go buy a house or before you go build a house right. or a building, what do you do before you start it? What do you do? You finish it. Jim Brown actually talks about this. He's got a, you know, he's got a couple of quotes on it and he's basically, you know, saying that, you know, you can finish before you start. Right. And that applies to like everything. So before yeah. you even start, the what your prospecting, marketing, and sales journey should look like, Good. you should go ahead and finish it first. Have that all planned out. And it, that alone, that practice of putting pen to paper, mapping everything out, who you would actually want to work with, who you wouldn't want to work with, what kind of teams you want to go after, all of this, if... It's done before you even start implementing these processes, saves you a lot of the heartache of trying to tweak it as you go. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's having that plan, you know, right down to the, I mean, what's the space I want to be in? What's the service? What do we love to do? What gives us life around here? What do we just thoroughly enjoy doing, right? It's all of those kinds of things and building it backwards. It's, it's, it's that designer 
and then the architect and engineers and then the contractors and so on. And then right down to the substructure before you pour the concrete, you know, all yeah. that, all that kind of stuff. That's all. It's a great metaphor that you've used, obviously. It's, it's about using like your, your, again, you, you know, most of us are in the business, right? Like if we're going to start a project, how is it that we start a project? We look around, we look at the project, we look at the issues at hand and we're like, okay, how am I going to get to the finish line? And mentally you map this entire thing out, right? Or on paper or whatever. Like, why would you not do that for your sales process? Why would you not do that for your marketing process? Why would you leave it up to luck and chance and, you know, maybe good fortune to just be at the right place at the right time and you meet the right people? Like, all of this should be designed to some degree. Now, could luck and good timing and good fortune play a part? Sure. I'll take it. Sure, I'll take it. Absolutely. All day, right? But what what is lucky, right? (laughs) Lucky is when preparation meets opportunity. That's exactly. Like that's the sheer definition of luck. So yeah. all of a sudden, everybody wants to say, oh, well, you got lucky or no, brother, like we prepared, like we, we game planned for this, you know, it right. just so happened that we executed on it, on it enough that's and right. enough and enough to where eventually yeah. we were able to go ahead and hit our mark that. Yeah. And that's the key. And, and let me ask you this. How many business owners do you see that are already got a program in place that haven't really gone through the mental practice of putting this kind of stuff, mapping it out beforehand. Oh, it's very rare. That they have it mapped out. Oh yeah. It's just so unusual. Right. Very rare. Yeah. Right. And then just the, the going through the mental practice of mapping it out and just asking themselves these questions, who do I want to work with? What deals do I like? Which ones are the most profitable? Which, which again, from, from a business standpoint, should be fairly simple. They should come to mind rather rapidly, yeah, it right? Does. It always does. Yeah. How much of a difference immediately does that make in the psyche and in setting of the sale with regards to how people are going to go out and start prospecting? Is it a pretty immediate change just by it, even having that roadmap? Yes, it's instantaneous. I mean, I've, I see it happen. It's like the salesperson goes, I, I got it. I, I got a mission. I, I, I'm in sync with my boss. It's like the boss never talked to them. They just like hired them and say, Oh, you knew sales. Well, I want business. Go get me some. Right. And, 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 and then they default to some kind of a route business. And it's like they never have that conversation. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down and done that kind of a process with the sales aspect and the prospecting aspect and have the salesperson go, my gosh, I finally feel like I've got a plan. You know, I know what I'm doing. I know what I need to do next, you know, and it's like, right. yeah, you know, that's so that's, I want to, I want to switch gears a little bit. I mean, we're, we're still going to be on the, pretty much the same topic because all of this stuff kind of does overlap. Uh, but I do want to talk about scalability, right? Okay. And one of the, one of the main issues that, that I find with the quote unquote route marketing, if you will, is how scalable it is because there's only X amount of hours in a day. But before we get into that, let's just go ahead and take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Hey, Dominators, real quick, let me ask you a question. How would you like to increase productivity? How would you like faster claims resolution? And more importantly, how would you like to reduce litigation. Well, this is exactly what Impartial allows you to do. Impartial creates timely, 
accurate estimates for faster and fairer claim settlement. Building upon Matterport's technology, the impartial scope tool extracts the relevant data embedded with pre-mitigation and post-mitigation scans and subsequently renders an exactimate or a similability estimate that can be approved by a carrier without any hesitation. The magic here is that the software helps contractors generate mitigation and repair estimates for more rapid approval from insurance carriers while removing the burdensome administrative process. Each impartial estimate is produced with objective accuracy using immersive 3D imagery and precise physical and geospatial measurements. Impartial, in my opinion, is one of those tools that simply can go ahead and change your business. And with so many features such as impartial tags, timestamp matter tags, the ability to upload JPEG, PNG, ESX, and so much more. Impartial is that software that could genuinely change your business. Make sure that you check them out in the video description below or in the show notes and see for yourself. Hey, Dominators, real quick, let me ask you a question. Have policyholders struggled to come up with your money because it's held with the mortgage company? Or does the percentage of uncollected debt that you collected in 2021 exceed over 2.5%? Or even better, let me ask you this. Do you dread negotiating with your policyholder when it comes time to collect your final payment and deductible? So look, if you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to check out Surety. You see, Surety is a third-party fund control company. And what they do is they ensure that you get paid faster and more importantly, completely for the hard work that your crews are doing. Surety relieves not only the policyholder, but you of tremendous administrative burden while ensuring that the claims process and more importantly, the proceeds flow via ACH to the rightful owner you, the restorer. And here's the best part. For less than the average credit card fee, Surety delivers on numerous fronts. So here's what I want you to do. If you want to learn more about how Surety can help you, I want you to head on over to www.surety.com forward slash dominate and request a free demo today. Now listen, Restoration Domination listeners just like you are going to receive a really cool offer. And here it is. You're going to receive an exclusive offer, which includes free processing for the first insurance claims check and three months of free access within their network. Again, that's surety, S-U-R-E-T-I.com forward slash Dominate. Photo documentation is possibly one of the most important aspects of what it is that we do in the restoration business. Not only so that the client knows exactly what's going on, but also so that you can prove your work to insurance companies. One of the best ways that I found to go ahead and document our projects is by using Company Cam. Company Cam is an amazing app. It has so many features, everything from time-stamped and GPS-located photos, uh, individual project files, unlimited photo storage, in-app communication with your crew, a live stream of all of your projects as the photos are coming in, as if it was an Instagram feed. So from a managerial standpoint, Company Cam can help you there as well. But more importantly, it gives you the ability to protect your organization while documenting and keeping everything nice. Nice and neat. So we've got a really special offer for you. If you go to companycam.com forward slash dominate, not only will you get your 14 day free trial, but you're also going to get the first two months, 50% off. So again, head on over to companycam.com forward slash dominate. 
get the app and I'm sure you're going to love it. All right. So we are back. And before the break, I just wanted to go ahead and uh, jump into a new subject, which was scalability, right? There's only X amount of hours in a day. Maybe, you know, you got a workhorse and, you know, they're out there in the field, shaking hands, kissing babies, 12 hours a day, maybe, right? Okay. They're meeting new people consistently. I mean, they have to meet new people consistently and forge existing relationships. How does how is that a scalable model? On one level, simple and easy. Just hire more people. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. I mean, right. Is that, isn't that it? That's just simple model, and that happens, right? Yeah, but that's an but ineffective it, model, but, and, and but here's why: because because there's there's a lot of waste in the process. Yeah, so exactly. if, if we're going back to the gold rule, right? And right. then, so are we just, but you know, are we just prospecting and just going back to a lot of these, you know, nothing deals and we're just being hopeful or are we just, and we see this a lot in the industry, people are just like, oh, well, you know, this guy's already making a hundred visits or whatever that number is to be effective. Um, he's maxed out or she's maxed out. Let's go ahead and hire another one or another one or another one. Next thing you know, you've got this army of foot soldiers, but not a whole lot's coming of it. Yeah. And, and what happens is you, 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 end, you either get one because you're just lucky or you hear of guys that have one, which is very common, especially in franchise organizations who the leadership will talk about. So-and-so over here just does this rocks and rolls and just building a business. And when you look at that salesperson that's working for them, they're the sales unicorn. Mm-hmm. They're just rare. You can't replicate them. You, you, you know, if you if you ever lose that one, you're toast. You're gone. And that's the problem with businesses that try to do this. When my clients understand, wait, this is a process. This is a strategy that can be repeated by a sales professional, meaning they have two key skills. And you mentioned one of them. They got to be persuasion. I mean, that all salespeople have to be persuasive. The second one is, according to the competency theory folks, they have to be goal-oriented, achievement-oriented. They have to be go-getters. You've got to have people that have those two skills combined together. And then there's a third element that we call mindset or philosophy, and that is they understand this is long cycle. It takes time, and you have to be able to work the relationship to a process and we put it when you put it into a process, you have a strategy that can be learned. And when you've got people with the right skills and the right mindset, guess what? You can replicate that. And so you can put a second person in. And in our system, people our our our, our business development sales professionals will start to max out when they get 40 agencies that are on board. 40. We think in terms of, gosh, they need hundreds. No, they don't. Because if I'm getting at least five losses in a 12-month time period from 40, all of a sudden I got 200 losses. And when you take a sales professional and in a value proposition like ours, we're being an extension of the agency with their customer at the emotional level. And when you when you when you do that, you have to be on site. You can make a phone call, but you got to be out there too. At some point, you got to be out there. Let's go back in time. Back in the day, when I grew up, the insurance agent came to my parents' home when I was a kid, 
and sold the policy and then monthly pick up the check, right? If there was a claim, he would come out. I can still remember the guy's name. How weird is that? I mean, I'm 67. That was, I wasn't seven, eight years old. This guy's name's L. Bartholomew. You know, I mean, crazy, right? And he was Sounds a like a 67-year-old name, yeah. You know, it is, but, 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 you know, they would come out, they would write the check. They, you know, if there was a problem, they say, it's going to be okay. You know, it's going to be okay. We're going to take care of you. And he literally did. Mm-hmm. Right. And he was all around that headpiece because why he wanted to fulfill the promise he made to his customer. Right. Well, you know, w- when you send a business development sales professional out as an extension of that agent doing something of that nature, you can't, you can't just, 200 of those in a year, you're busy. You're, you're, you got more than you can handle. Now it's time to add a second person. All we got to do is help you find somebody with skill and mindset, right? Two critical skills and the right mindset and give them the process. They follow the process. It's replicatable, which is in other words for scalability. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got to have. You got to scale this stuff. So you, you mentioned the word process. Feel it without a process. Right, right, right. So you mentioned you've mentioned the word process quite a bit. Um, so walk us through without giving away the farm. Walk us through what the what this process should actually look like. And I'm talking about let's not talk about high level and, and use really nice words to dress it up. And then there's a secret sauce somewhere in the bottom that no one can access. Right. Like, like I'm talking about like let's try to get as real as possible without giving away all of your secret sauce. What does this process actually look like? We know that we got to go out there, shake hands, and we got to meet people. We, we, we know that. We know that the box of donuts thing is outdated. So that's probably not part of your strategy. Okay, so, so what is the strategy? Like what makes it so different? Why is it that someone who's listening to the podcast today just can't go out there and be like, all right, you know what? I need to have a plan. Let me go ahead and put in a plan. And then let me just go out there to, to prospect the right type of individual. And we should all, all should be right. Or is there like, what is that secret? Like, what is that thing that makes it so different? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the whole detail of, of getting around who's the right process. How do I know? How do I, how do I know this agent, for example, or this broker or this property manager or this realtor or this, those are the people that can refer you, right? How, how do I know that this person even refers? Well, what's, what, what are the questions I ask that reveal that to me? Then Can, oh, I, can, can I ask you a question? Would it be something yeah. as simple as like, oh, when sure. was the last time you referred to a restoration company? It, it, we have tested that. Uh-huh. I have tested that and, and common sense. You're right. You're, you, you, that's the common sense answer. That's the logical answer. You know, that's the question, right? But here's what happens. Let's go back to our five for every five, right? Two refer and two don't, three don't, two refer, three don't. If you put all five in the room, you put that question to all five and all five will say, we don't refer. Yeah. It all goes to claim department. It all goes to 800 number. It all is done online. We're not involved. Two of them just told you the truth. Three of them, they tell you that because they've learned you'll give up and go away. Okay. So if I want to, if I ask that question, now we can get clever. Let me give you a, a, a rework of that question. We can say, instead of do you, closed question, yes, no, let's open it up and say, tell me, how did the last loss 
go. How was your? How did the last property claim go for you? Oh well, God, it was. You'll either hear him say, "I don't know when I had the last one." I'm sure we do. I'm. Not, I have no idea. Hmm, that's interesting. That's an indicator. Probably doesn't. If they're dealing with their customers, they're aware of losses, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so either they're you know, totally that, disconnected and they have no yeah. idea what's going on, or they're just genuinely not referring any business, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, a way of doing that. But if you just ask them, they'll all tell you they don't, and they're all they're all speaking the corporate carrier party line which right. is don't involve the claims, mm-hmm. but three of them do. And it drives the carriers nuts. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. nuts Cause they know they do. Uh, but that's, you know, so you got to ask the right kinds of questions, which are always open-ended and they're, you know, it's it, the question around, tell me about your last loss. How did that go? Okay. You know, how, how, Oh, who did, oh, how did they get out on that? Oh, did that go through the program? Oh, I see. You know, you ask those kinds of questions. That'll, mm-hmm. that'll get you, Partway there, and with without a system, and you're a sales professional, you'll think of those kinds of questions. Okay, mm-hmm. I had the luxury and have the luxury of testing it with hundreds and hundreds of agents across the United States. You know, because I the, the people that I work with to do this, and uh, one of the questions that we've learned, and this is this is this is free stuff. I don't, I'm, I'm sharing it with you, and anybody can get this on my website. It's just, it's on a shoot. I got all. I got a couple of page document on how to do it, how to have this conversation, because it'll blow your mind when you do it. But it's like you walk into the agency office or you pick up the phone or the agency office after you introduce yourself very briefly. And by the way, you want to talk about mind blowing, not no donuts, no candy, no brochures. We instruct our people, leave your business card at home. What? No business card? You know, but when you see it, it's like brilliant because everybody's bombarding them with all the other crap and you're just stood out because you did this instead of going in selling. We went in prospecting, sieving out the gold, right? Mm -hmm. We said sooner or later, I love this line. It's, It's my own. I created it. It came to me a number of years ago off the cuff and I've used it ever since. You say sooner or later, I can say that county with you, Rico. I'm just messing with you. Sooner or later, you just say you just say it just like this. Sooner or later, I'm I'm gonna be assigned to one of your insureds for a loss. Now, five agents, two of them just said, okay, right? Two of them just said, oh, okay. Three of them, their brain is going, huh? What? Wait, oh crap, never thought about that. They're referring somebody now and it's not you. And they're going, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You're right. Sooner or later, yeah, okay. And I'm doing some advanced planning. I want to be prepared. I want to be able to add value to your agency. I want to do something for you. I can take care of your customer, no problem. I can get along with the claim people, no problem. I play the game, no worries. But you, I don't know. I got a question that I think could help me do that. That okay? They'll say, sure. What's your question? You say to them, when I'm out there on loss and I'm working for one of your insureds, what message could I give to your insured from you that would help them deal with all of the emotional side of the loss? 
Now that's a new question, huh? The emotional, now, let me go back to my five. Two, they'll give you the deer in the headlight. You're from Mars. What planet are you? Uh, no, I. no message. I'm not, they call the claim, the claim department takes care of them. I'm not, ah, ding, yeah, that's not what I want. <laughs> Let him go. Next, my favorite four-letter word in prospecting. Next, and your four, favorite four-letter word in sales is sold, right? Yeah. Right, your closer. So, you know, but the three, those three that do refer, they're referring somebody right now. They're going, that's a good question, Rico. I, let me think. Um, nobody's asked them this before, right? They don't know how to answer this. It doesn't matter. They've already told you in their body language that they care. They have heart. If they didn't care, they'd say, get the heck out of here. I'm busy. You know, it's not that this agent will say, Oh, that's a good question. They'll say something trivial like, well, tell them I'm sorry they got a loss. And gosh, tell them if they need anything to call me. Like, I can do that. Thank you. No, I leave. I don't give them my card. I didn't leave them candy. I didn't say I'll be back. I will be. But <laughs> because I have a plan. My plan is prospecting, is trying to figure out, is this going to be a good target? Well, it sounds like maybe this one does refer so I'm going to keep them in the hunt list for now. They're still in the mining pan, right? They're still going, swirling around, trying to figure out, is this a nugget or is this fool's gold, right? Yeah. So, you know, and I'll have subsequent questions that, that we're going to ask, but that's the first piece. You know, I, I, I'm looking around, I'm casing the agent's office as I'm in and out. It's like, look at this. There's three, four, there's five people work for this this agent. They're a big agency. They come now, but wait, are they all auto? How's that going to help you? Oh, wait, somebody just said, Ooh, you're right. Yeah. Do they, what's their property casualty? That's we're in P and C. We're not in auto. Auto's the big dog. So if they're 60% auto and 40% P and C, that's a good mix because they've got a good blend if they're the average, they've they've got several. They got a couple thousand, two, three thousand homeowners, customers, policyholders, insureds, if is the word they like to use, and they've got you know six, seven, eight thousand policies in force because they sell you on each car as a policy, your home's a policy. You got you know a rider for you know jewelry. You got that's a policy. You got you know so they've got policies enforced to the one. It's it's four, three, four times to one. So now okay now that that's going to have a they're going to have at least twenty property losses a year, and I'm going to get me five of them at least or more. Right, right. So, so the now process. I'm going, so, so, so the process. So we ask the question. Right. So we ask the right questions. First and foremost, we we've identified the types of insurance companies maybe that we want to deal with. We've identified maybe a honey hole of um, offices that or of individuals that actually refer through a series right. of questions. Um, and then great. So no, that's kind of like phase one. Right. of this whole deal. Now, eventually we're coming back. Like, well, are we, are we, you know, bearing gifts? Are we, nope. are nope. we, are we nope. providing the promise of, nope. of our ability to be nope. a resource for them? How do we go in next time? No, next time, time it up two to three weeks. You should be back in there going, Hey, I talked to you. I was on the phone or I was in person. 
I asked you, I told you I was doing some planning. I remind them of what you talked about. That's call number two. We're still prospecting. I'm not, I haven't figured, I have, it's not firm until I ask them a second time mm-hmm. what message and they give you a heartfelt, they thought through, they add to, you tell them what they told you and you say, I do that. Is there anything else? Yeah, I was thinking about that. You know, I also want you to do this for me or I want you to tell them that for me. Like, okay, great. Yeah, add that to the list. I'll do that the next time I get out there on a loss. Probably come from your claim department. They send us out. Shoot, we're on Google and we're advertising all the time. We get referred all every day. We get referrals. I mean, it's it's just, you just, that's assumptive selling. You just tell them, yeah, I, I, I'm not asking you for your business. I've already got your business. I'm working for everybody. Everybody likes us. You know, right. Uses it, right. So that's step two. Again, you know, now, now at that point, if they don't ask you for a card, and my game is make them ask you for a card. Because mm-hmm. if they don't ask you for a card, they don't care. Right. Right. If they don't ask you for a brochure, they don't care. You know, and, and why give it to them if they don't care? They're going to drop it in the round file, right? Mm-hmm. Why waste your time? Why waste your, and why take them your food and your stuff? I mean, we're trying to guilt them into this. Right. Seriously, yeah. let's have something of value to offer them. Okay. So you come out of the second second visit and you go, hmm, yeah, this one feels, I feel like this is the right one. Okay. All right. Now, you know, there's some other questions we can ask. We we have a we have a three-step process in there where we, you know, we 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 do those first two things we talked about, and then we go back in and we 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 talk about some other things with them, like, I'm still working on my research for you, and I am curious, you know, I want to understand better, you know, what is what is it that you want your customer, your insured, what kind of experience do you want them to have with your agency? Not, I'm not talking about me and the loss and that. I just, I want to know about you. What's important to you here? What, what am I doing? I'm, I'm causing, I'm asking questions without, I'm not selling. Right. I'm still right. in the prospect phase. I'm trying to vet them against a set of standards. Okay. I don't want to get too deep into it because then I'm going to slip into paid consulting and <laughs> right, right, right. But so, so after about the, the the second or third, usually it's it's in that second and third visit. There, they're getting to know you. They're right, they're first. They're starting to feel safe with you. You have you don't you're not you're not like everybody else saying here's some donuts, give me a job. Well, you the other me? thing too is, is I think and and I think it's also important. These agents, like everybody else, are in business to make money, and and sharks recognize sharks. What do I mean by that? If you're asking the right questions to the right person who's interested in keeping their book of business, and if you're presenting yourself as someone who cares about the homeowner, well, you're in a position of power because you've already kind of positioned yourself first and foremost by saying, what would you like for me to say to your, because whether you give it to me or not, eventually I'm going to be speaking to your customer. And eventually I'm going to have relationships with other guys just like you, which means inherently in the back of my mind, in the back of your mind as an agent, you're going to know that I'm speaking to your client who is residual income for you, right? Like this is, that's your book of business. So if I'm building relationship with all of these other insurance agents, which I am, well, then now all of a sudden your clients are on the chopping block because I may not want them, I may want them to be in good hands, like legitimately. 
not just legitimately right? no slogan yeah <laughs> that was pretty good um <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah. So um, you know, so so that's like one of one of the things, right? And that builds, and I would say, and again, I'm not making some assumptions here, but part of the strategy, I would assume, whether blatant or undertoned, is in fact that that you are positioning yourself as the individual who has you know, the, who has, who's controlling the strings out in the actual marketplace that in the hardest moment for that client, you're going to be the person of greatest influence and that you can sway that client one way or another to maybe another agent. You're, you're spot on, man. I mean, and, and, and they start to see that in the sale before you've pitched, you get it. The sale is made before you've pitched it. And that's the beauty, right? Right. They tell people all the time, don't, don't ask them for, don't ask them to refer you, make them want you on their losses. How do you do that? You do that by having conversations about that agent and their business and, and what's important to them and what are their goals and what are they working on? What are their biggest challenges and what, what goes wrong in claims that blows up on them? What are the, what get it out there? What, what goes well? Who does it well? Who should I be modeling? You know, all those kinds of questions. Listen, when you make your sale, now, okay, now you've made your sale. So we've been prospecting and the prospecting done right finds the right person. It's a mutual, it's a mutual good fit. That's what you've been describing, defining, positioning. I've positioned myself. It's a good fit. It's a, now the sale is done. Now what? Now I've got to go on in a strategy process you asked for. Next is, guess what? Those agents got employees. They're licensed producers. They're working out there. They're making their list. They pick up the phone. They So you've got to get the agency owners, brokers, staff on board. You're a boss. You've got employees. You know full well that just because Rico says from now on, gang, we're going to do it this way. We're going to stop doing it that way. Half the people didn't hear you. They weren't listening. The other half are confused and don't understand. And they figure, well, Shoot, he'll, he'll remind us, he, uh, you know, it's just as a flavor of the month. Just eh, just ignore it. Right. I mean, that's that's human nature. So you have to build into you can't if you're listening to this and you don't get anything more than this one thing. Get this. Get this. Just because the agent says yes and shakes your hand, I'm going to refer you. It doesn't mean you're going to get referred. Okay, and it feels good, and you go back to the boss, and you go, "Oh man, I got another one on board." He said yes, and you do that often enough, and you you will earn this. You will hear the boss say, "Show me the money." Right, right. So you have to be strategic. You have to have a plan to get the staff on board. They have to hear it. They have to believe it. You have to work with them one on one. You have to work that process with them twice. Long cycle sales. You cannot go out to insurance agencies today and expect to walk in, dazzle them, and get referred tomorrow. Doesn't work that way. Okay. Now, if you could give them money for a referral, that's a whole nother can of worms, but you can't with agency professionals. They'll lose their license. So it's not, it's against the law in every state that I know of. Right. So, you know, you can't do that. So, you know, it's a process. You've got to get that staff to buy in. Right. And, 
And then they start getting you out on losses. Well, guess what? You've had conversations about what message could I give, right? What do you want me to be aware of? And what conversations should I help you and your customer have that I see? How do you want me to tell you about the, they got a new family member. How do you want me to tell you about they've remodeled their home? They've added a whole family room suite onto their place and they haven't changed their insurance, right? I mean, they didn't tell you. You know, how do you want me to have those conversations? All that stuff, you're collecting that kind of information in this mutually beneficial relationship. Well, now you get referred. Well, guess what? You got to deliver. You, you, you got to do what you promised them you would do. Then you get to have the most fun of all. You get to go back to the agent and tell them what you did that they asked you to do. And it's like, now you're really winning. Okay. Well, meanwhile, that staff is just beginning to develop a habit of referring you. So you have to be intentional about the long term with the staff and getting them to develop the habit of referring your company. So the process doesn't end until you've seen at least in a 12-month period of time, five losses out of that agency. I, I don't know what it is about five, but when you see five, they've developed the habit of referring you. Right. So that's the, the, that's the magic number that anybody should be striving for. 12 months, what, the, the 12, five, 12 months, five losses. I, I ask business owners that that's usually one of the first questions I ask when they talk to me about their business and they tell me about their, I've got a marketer, I've got a person out there. And I say, well, let me just ask you a question. How, how, how many does your, how many, how, and they use the word marketer and I'll say, well, how many does your marketer call on? They'll say, oh, they got 200. Okay. Uh, and how many of those refer? Oh, now they don't know, which mm -hmm. is an immediate tell that they're doing, their marketer is doing crap because they would know it would be that valuable to them. And when you talk to a marketer and they don't know, oh, lots, right? you know, yeah. pff, yes. lots, Tons. What are lots? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway. You I know, got a lot of hot ones, a lot, a lot of irons in the fire yeah, right now. So how, how many have, just in round numbers, I'll say, how many have, you know, sent you a, a loss? Oh, out of 200, probably, I don't know, um, maybe, I don't know, 50, 60? Cool. How many have sent you more than one? No idea. <laughs> or, oh, um, well, a, a few, you know, well, okay, let me just dial it down. How many have sent you five losses or more in a in a 12 month period of time and they'll always say this a handful and then when i get into working with them the handful becomes well there's really one and there might be two right and you got a marketer who's been out there for two years and they're happy your marketer's happy if your market sorry i know marketers are listening to this and i don't mean you disrespect okay but if you're happy with that, understand your boss is bleeding financially. Well, look, let's, let's take it a step further. If a marketer is listening to this and they don't know their own numbers, like you should really heavily consider just quitting the business of anything related to sales because you got you to gotta know your numbers. Like if you, you should be able to say with confidence, my average is this out of X amount of people. This is what my closing rate is. This is how many people I'm getting. Like you should have those numbers like mapped out. But part of that responsibility is also 
the business owner. Because, and again, all of this should be, would have been eliminated going right back to the initial plan. Just put down the initial plan. How are you going to track it? What are the metrics? What are you looking at? How many calls, right? How many doors do you have to knock on in order for you to get an expected result? And you can start this from zero. And by the end of the first week, you're going to have an average. Now that average is going to change over time, but you're going to have an average. You're like, if I open up X amount of doors, I'm going to speak to X amount of people out of X amount of people. I'm going to visit X amount back out of after I do that for a period of X amount of weeks or months or whatever it is that it takes you, you're going to have X amount of relationships built that have already officially started to send you business. Now you got an average. Now, now it's just a matter of fine tuning that average and just getting better with time. So switching gears one more time, let's talk about the marketing aspect of this. Again, my brain ticks very differently, especially in this arena. Um, Again, I believe that marketing is a lot more than just sales in print uh, or in any other medium. It's, It's the embodiment of selling, which is persuasion, the persuasion of having someone believe that they've made the right decision every single step of the way. That to me is marketing. A lot of people hear marketing, they're like, oh, it's got to be digital. Or for some reason in our industry, it's like door knocking, which is, that's not marketing. But <laughs> but for let's talk about the marketing element of all of this. Again, there, it's great to build relationships. I get that. But a lot of owners are so far removed because, again, they're running a business, right? We're we're assuming that they're running a business. So so they have individuals that are going out and they're, quote unquote, marketing. They're the route marketers. They're the business development team, what have you. The owner is not really building a relationship here. The company is not building a relationship here. There's a fundamental issue there. That's a flaw in business. Yeah, and that's, that's not in the plan. We, we got to fix that. Right. So like, what, like, is there something now, like with what you guys present that bridges that? Oh yeah. 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 And it, the answer isn't going to go to the marketing question for you, but it's part of the marketing is that overarching strategy. Right. And, and there are two points, two points where the business owner better get themselves in there with that agency, that agency owner. And it's the first is when the, when the sales professional has made the sale, the agent is like, oh my gosh, I want you on my losses, right? We're going to send you handshake, whatever, right? Now you're ready to start on their staff. Well, Bring the owner. As the owner, you should be at every time that happens. And it's not every day and it's not hundreds. It's not thousands. So don't get excited about it. You can do this. It's not a big deal. It's going to take you an hour. It's going to be the best hour of your day. You're going to go in. You're going to get introduced by your sales professional to the agency owner as my business owner meet the business owner of this agency. Mm-hmm. You're going to shake hands. You can have a little plan of discussion there. You can talk about, you, you know, your sales professional, what you guys are talking about, what you've agreed upon. And we're going to have a meeting with the whole company. Right. Now I'm going to bring in donuts. <laughs> Cue the donuts. Right. There right. you go. Now it's time to bring, look, 
there's a time to bring gifts. It's not on the first date. It's not in the prospecting. It's, you know, dating is a great metaphor for, for prospecting. You know, you don't bring the gifts up front. It just looks creepy. It's right? bad form, right? <laughs> it's bad form, man. It's bad form. Right. So <laughs> and look at me talking like I'm, I'm some expert. I married my high school sweetheart. That was 48 years ago, and we're still together. She's the love of my life. I don't know anything about dating. Well, there you actually. go. Maybe you yeah. did it right the first time. Maybe you had a plan in place. Who knows? <laughs> I got lucky. <laughs> right? Opportunity, right? Right, exactly. Very But, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it is a great analogy. So you want to bring the food then. And they're munching your food and you're talking about what we're going to be doing, what what this is, what's this plan. And we're going to be an extension. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. What's your value proposition? Okay. So you've got to have that in play. That's the sale you've made. Now the staff goes, oh, I see. I see. And there's him or her as the salesperson. And then there's you're the owner and that's my boss. Okay. This feels like it's not one of the other hundreds of people that come through this door every day, right? Pitching, 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 right? On their routes. Oh my gosh. So that's one point. The owner must go and establish themselves. Point number two, in our system, it's going to be in six months and then annually. Six months and annually, we keep track of every loss we do and everything the agent asked us to do for them and then we review that with them. Now, my sales professional does it job by job by job. But I, as an owner, am going to come in with my salesperson. Without my salesperson, you'll feel that one, okay? But you're going to have a conversation that sounds like this. And it's so fun to do with your salesperson. You turn and you say to the, to the agent, Billy Bob here, my employee, I'll just call him Billy Bob. Billy Bob here has been telling me, you know, how much you enjoys working for you. We're grateful for the work we've given us. Uh, we've got a report. I'd like to see the, he's going to review with you our numbers and what we've been doing for you. And it's just, it's just a report. It's a line by line and it shows the agent this job and this is the things you asked us to do. Here's the next job and these are the things you asked to do. It's cumulative. It's always cumulative. And I go to that. And I'm, I'm there saying thank you for the business and thank you for the partnership and thank you for allowing us. And I'm so glad to see Billy Bob's doing a great job for you. And that guy's going to sit there and sell them. He's going to tell you what a great guy Billy Bob is, right? But here's what's happening. I'm establishing, I'm positioning myself so that when, if and when, God forbid Billy Bob gets hit by a bus, but he isn't going to stay forever, much as I'd like. It's rare. I've got clients that have their... There's the salespeople we've helped them with. Some of them have stayed for eight, 10 years, nine, 10, 12 years, some of them. And it's like really fun, but that's unusual, right? That's, yeah, it's not a plan. So this is the plan I build into the system. We have it built in that there's an exit strategy. Billy Bob's going to go away, but I'm not. And we're not. And if Billy Bob gets the idea that I'm going to go out and I'm going to become your competitor and I'm going to do this, well, first of all, you got to let him go because that's and let him go. But he goes away. First thing I do is go in and say, Billy Bob's no longer with us, but I'm here. And we're continuing right on. And they go, great, no problem. And they, they're they the agency owner. They're the boss. They know what it feels like to have one of their employees poached, right? Owners that don't do that are going to have 
they're never going to scale it. Right. So six to 12 months, uh, that's basically when the owner comes in with the rep and they do a cumulative report and say, Hey, look, this is all the great things that our company has done for, you know, your clients and why your clients are sticking around (laughs) basically. What you asked us for. Yeah. Yeah. Where in this process, if at all, is there anything other than just the physical touch, the physical touch being a visit to the office, a phone call, Right, because that would basically be it. Either you're you're visiting the office or you're reaching out via the phone. Is there any other methods that you are employing or that someone should be putting into their system outside of the traditional route marketing, which is I get there when I get there every week, every two weeks, every three weeks, etc. Yeah. So in the prospecting phase, yes, there's email follow-ups going on in there. They're personalized, they're sent, they're very specific to that agency. That's a key piece to it. Mm-hmm. Um, some people want to put them on their newsletter list. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool the first time you get somebody's newsletter, you know. Right. But I mean, seriously, how many newsletters do you, do you sign up for that you get, that you read, you hit delete after a while? You just don't even see it, right? I'm not against them. I'm not against them. Every day. I signed up for, you know, a guy named Simon Sinek. You've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, of course. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a Simon Sinek fan and read his books, taking his stuff, discovered, my, discovered the why. Uh, every day he sends you a little, a little thought, right? A little thought. I read that. Newsletter? Yeah, I, I don't read it. Right. Nobody yeah. does. Who's got time for that? So what else can you do? I mean, what's, what are the touch points? They're sold. They're using me. Now I, I'm delivering, I'm performing, I come in, we review, I'm on the phone, I talk to them, I'm doing, I'm out there with their customers. So I have, I, in a, if you take my average and you get five from it, at least five from 40, you've got 200, 200 times I'm going to be in the beginning, I'm going in in person and reviewing. Pretty soon it's going to be a phone call, pretty soon it's going to be an email, mm-hmm. right? But I am every six months to 12, then I'm going in in person and cumulatively reviewing all of it. I bring the boss, et cetera. Uh, So those are the touch points with that, that we're doing in our system. That's all it takes. That's amazing. So, so really it's just a matter of having, and, and again, in any business, it's all about having a system, having processes in place that are built for success. Like, that's it. It's just having the right formula, the right recipe, whatever it is that you want to call it, in done in the right order, and that will ultimately yield a result, right? And really getting clear on how the communication is taking place with with this prospect, right? Because again, that is the type of person that you should be looking at saying they are potentially the gatekeeper to my client, Right. They are a legitimate lead source. So let's go ahead and spend the mental bandwidth necessary in order to formulate a good plan. Or you could do the alternative and not spend the mental bandwidth and just take that time, energy, and effort into just implementing a system that's already been proven to work. So if someone is there mentally right now and they're like, hey, you know what? This is something that I would like to, you know, look a little bit more into to see if it's a good fit for me, my organization. 
how would they reach out and uh, learn more about you, your company, and the products and services that you may have? Of course, it's real simple. All you have to do is know how to spell my name, and that's tricky. (laughs) But it's Jerry with a G. My mom did that. It's Gerald. She called me Jerry. She printed Jerry with a G. On paper, it looks like Gary, but I'm not Gary. G-E-R-R-Y at Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, Edel. That's the hardest part. Edel, Edel's missing a vowel, but there's only four letters. E-D-T-L. Jerry at Jerry Edel, E-D-T-L dot com. You can get, you, I mean, that's that's my email. My website is jerryedel.com. Easy enough. And And by the way, for those of you that are listening, I will go ahead and have a link in the video description below, as well as in the show notes, uh, so that you can go ahead and if sparing spelling Jerry or Edel is a little difficult, which I get, uh, you can just Uh click the link and all the thinking has already been done for you. Uh, You can go ahead and check it out there. And Jerry, you know, I want to go ahead and thank you for spending the time with us here today. I think it was really, really awesome, really insightful. Hopefully we've been able to motivate a couple of people to rethink the way that they, that they are using their route marketing or their business development team uh, and to start asking some of these important questions and to maybe, if they did have a plan to go back to the plan and do a once over and see what, what was it when I put this plan in place, what is it that I didn't know that I know now that could have potentially have made this better and then start amplifying on that. And remember the restoration dominators, it's all about asking the question of what is it that you don't know and how you're going to move forward. So make sure that you leave a comment uh, somewhere in the video below and or if you're listening to the podcast, make sure that you subscribe. And also remember, 678, talk to us. Go ahead and feel free to call in. Let, let us know your ideas, your methods that you've used in your route marketing, in how you're developing business. We'd love to go ahead and hear from you. And as always, hustle, hack, dominate. We'll see you on the next one. You've been listening to Restoration Domination, your number one resource for tips, tricks, and hacks to help your business grow. Subscribe to our channel and follow us for more Restoration Domination. And follow our host at Rico Garcia Jr. on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Till next time, this is Restoration Domination. Hustle, hustle, hack, hack, dominate, dominate.